I, all they hear is we're gonna take. So like, oh wait, never mind. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Wiley Reads. This is episode twenty-one, continuing with Tom Sawyer, chapter twenty. Tom Sawyer. Yeah. yeah. Daddy uh, co-hosted last night. It's Michael. Michael. His name is Michael. He also goes by Daddy. Um, and mommy has a cold tonight, so I might not be very energetic, but I'm going to do my best, and Wiley is going to read. Ready, set, go. <laughs> well, if you're sick, maybe you should be replaced with daddy. Well, he did that for me last night, and he's sick too, so that's how it goes. <laughs> it's all right. Well, uh, well. Read the book. Okay, I mean, I don't want to get sick. Well, you live in the house with me. Okay. Um, I'll Just, try not to lick okay, you. Okay, slide over a little bit. Okay. All right. It's not going to help, Wiley, but okay. Mm. <laughs> Go ahead and just read. Germs okay. don't care about a few inches over on the other side of the couch. Go ahead. There was something about Aunt Polly's manner when she kissed when she kissed Tom that swept away his low spirits and made him lighthearted and happy again. Aww. He started to school and had the look of corning upon Becky. Coming. Coming upon. Corning. No, that's an M. It's Come on, Wiley. Of coming upon Becky Thatcher at the head of Meadow Lane. His mood always determined his manner. Without a moment's hesitation, he ran to her and said, I acted mighty mean today, Becky, and I'm so sorry. I won't ever, ever do that way again. As As long as I... As long as I... As ever I live. As long as ever I live. Please make up, won't you? The girl stopped and and looked him scornfully in the face. I'll thank you to keep yourself to yourself, Mr. Thomas Sawyer. I'll never speak to you again. She tossed her head and passed on. Tom was so stunned that he had not even... That he had not even presence of mind enough to say, Who cares, Miss Smarty? Until the night time to say it had gone by. <laughs> Come on, that's, that's gonna make noise. So he said nothing, but he was in a fine rage. Nevertheless, he, he moped into the schoolyard wishing she were a boy. <laughs> And imagining how he would trounce, yep, trounce her if she were. She he presently encountered her and delivered a stinging remark as as he passed. She hurled one in return, and and the angry breach was complete. It seemed to Becky, in her hot resentment that he could hardly wait to school for school to take in. She was so impatient to see Tom flogged the injured spelling book if she had any 
lingering notion of exposing Alfred Temple, Tom's offensive fling had driven it entirely away. Poor girl. She did not know how fast she was nearing trouble herself. The master, Mr. Dobbins, had reached middle age with an un with an unsatisfied ambition. The darling of his desires was to be a doctor, but poverty had decreed that he should be nothing higher than a village schoolmaster. Every day, he took a mysterious book out of his desk and absorbed himself in it at times when no classes were reciting. He kept that book under, under lock and key. There was not an urchin in school, but was perishing to have a glimpse of it. But the chance never came. Every boy and girl had a theory about the nature of that book, but not two theories were alike. And there was no way of getting at the facts in the case. Now, as Becky was passing by the desk, which stood near the door, she noticed that the key was in the lock. It was a precious moment. She glanced around, found herself alone, and and in the next instant, she had the book in her hands. The title page, Professor's Some, Professor Somebody's Anatomy, carried no, um, um, carried no information to her mind. So she began to turn the leaves. She came at once upon a handsomely engraved and colored frontispiece. Hmm. A human, a human figure, stark naked. At that moment, a shadow fell on the page, and Tom Sawyer stepped in at the door and caught a glimpse of the picture. Pick picture. Becky snatched at the book to close it and had the hard luck to tear the pictured page half down the middle. Uh-oh. She thrust the volume into the desk, turned the key, and burst out crying with shame and vexation. Tom Sawyer, you are just as mean as you can be to sneak up on a person and look at what they're looking at. How could I know you was looking at anything? You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Tom Sawyer. You know you're going to... Um, you know you're going to tell on me, and oh, what shall I do? What shall I do? I'll be whipped, and I never was whipped in school. And she stamped her little foot and said, Be so mean if you want to. I know something that's going to happen. You just wait and you'll see. Hateful, hateful, hateful. I thought they were engaged. I know. They're fighting. And she flung out of the house with a new explosion of crying. (laughs) Tom stood still, rather flustered by this onslaught. Presently, he said to himself, what a curious kind of fool a girl is. (laughs) Never been licked in school? Shucks, what a licking. That's just like a girl. They're so thin-skinned and chicken-hearted. Well, of course, I ain't going to tell old Dobbins on this little fool. 
Because there's no other ways of... Because there's other ways. Because there's other ways of getting even on her. That ain't so mean. But but what of it? Old Dobbins will ask who it was Tor... Who it was Taurus Buck. Nobody will answer. Then he'll just do the way he always does. Ask first one and then t'other. When... When he comes to the right girl, he'll know it. Without any telling, girls' faces always <laughs> tell on them. They ain't got a, they ain't got any backbone. She'll get licked. <laughs> no, he's gonna get his spanking. Mm. It's funny how they say lick. I know it is funny. That's just that's what they said. Well, it's a kind of tight place for Becky Thatcher, because there ain't way out of it. There ain't any way out of it. Hey, wait, I just... Is there a movie on this? I think there is, yeah. I want to watch it. Yeah, maybe when we're done. We'll uh, watch Tom Sawyer, maybe we'll uh, tell the podcast what we think about it. Um, how about next time we have a special episode, uh-huh. or like we make a second episode on the same day for fun? Maybe? Yeah. Like, just telling them about the movie. Uh-huh. Alright. We have to get the last... The first part of the sentence on the last page. There you go. Tom cons... Tom cons the thing a moment longer. And then added, Alright, though. She'd... She'd like to see me in... Just suck a fix. Such. Just such a fix. Let her sweat it out. Tom joined the marb of, mob of skylarking scholars outside. In a few moments, the master arrived and, and school took in. Tom did not feel a strong interest in his studies. Every time he stole a glance at the girl's side of the room, Becky's face troubled him. Considering all things, he did not want to pity her, and yet it was all he could do to help it. <coughs> he could get up no he could get up no exultation that was really worthy the name. Presently the spelling book discovery was made, and Tom's mind was entirely full of his own matters for a while after that. Becky rose Becky roused up from her le- lethargy. Lethargy and distress. Of distress. Of distress and showed good interest in the proceedings. <laughs> she did not expect that Tom could get out of this trouble. <sighs> by denying that he spilt ink on the book himself. And she was right. The the denial only seemed to make the thing worse for Tom. Becky supposed that she would be glad of that. And And she tried to believe before she was glad of it. But she found she was not certain. When the worst came to the worst, she had an impulse to get up and tell on Alfred Temple. But she made an effort and forced herself to keep still, because she, because said she to herself, he'll tell about me tearing the picture, sure. I wouldn't say a word, not to save his life. Tom took his whipping and went... (laughs) 
but he did nothing. <laughs> well, he's always getting whipped at school. I I bet he was emotionless after it. Like, I bet he didn't think a thing. He, he, it's happened so many times that he just thinks nothing of it. <laughs> yep. Tom took his whipping and went back to his seat, not not all brokenhearted, for he thought it was possible that he had unknowingly upset the ink on the spelling book himself. In some skylarking bout, he had de- he had denied it for form's sake and because it was custom, and had stuck to the denial of principle. A whole hour drifted by. The master sat nodding in his throne. The air was drowsy with the hum of study. By and by, Mr. Dobbins straightened himself up, yawned, then unlocked his desk. He reached for his book, but then seemed undecided whether to take it out or leave it. Most of the pupils glanced up... Wiley, stop. And guidely, but there were two among them that watched his movements with <coughs> intent eyes. Mr. Dobbins fingered his book ab- absently for a while, then took it out and settled himself to his chair to read. Exclamation mark. Tom shot a glance at Becky. He had seen. He had. He had seen a hunted and helpless rabbit look as she did, with a gun leveled at his head. (laughs) With a gun leveled at its head. Instantly, he he forgot his quarrel with her. Quick, something must be done. Done in a flash, too. But the very imminence of the emergency paralyzed his invention. Good. He had an inspiration. He would run and snatch the book, spring through the door and fly. But his resolution shook for one little instant, and the chance was lost. The master opened the volume. If Tom had, if Tom only had the wasted opportunity back again, too late. There was no help for Becky now, he said. The next moment, the master faced the school. Every eye sank under his gaze. There, there was that in it which some smote even the innocent that fear. There was si- there was silence while one might count ten. The master was gathering his wrath. Then he spoke, "Who tore this book?" There was not a sound. One could have heard a pin drop. The stillness continued. The master searched face after face for signs of guilt. Benjamin Robert Ro- Rogers, did you tear this book? A denial, another pause. Joseph Harper, did you? Another denial. Tom's uneasiness grew more and more intense under the slow torture of these proceedings. The master scanned the ranks of boys, considered them a while, then turned to the girls. Amy Lawrence, a shake of the head. Gracie Miller, the same sign. Susan Harper, did you do this? Another negative. The next girl was Becky Becky Thatcher. Tom was trembling from head to foot with excitement and a sense of hopelessness from the situation. Rebecca Thatcher. Tom glanced at her face 
It was white with terror. Did you t- did you tear? Tear. T- did you tear? No, look me in the face. Her hands rose in appeal. Did you tear this book? A thought shot like lightning through Tom's brain. He sprang to his feet and shouted, I done it! The school stared in perplexity at, at this incredible folly. Tom stood in a moment to gather his dismembered faculties. When he stepped forward to go out of his... Out of, to go out to his punishment, the surprise, the gratitude, the ador- the adoration that shone up upon him out of poor Becky's eyes seemed to pay enough for a hundred floggings. In- inspired by the splendor of his <laughs> own act, he, t- he took without an outcry the most merciless fling that even Mr. Dobbins had ever administered, <laughs> and also received with indifference the added cruelty of a command to remain two hours of school and should be dismissed, for he knew who would wait for him outside till his captivity was done and not count the tedious time as loss either. Tom went to bed that night planning vengeance against Alfred Temple, for which shame and repentance Becky had told him all, not forgetting her own treachery. But even the longing for vengeance had to give way soon. Pleasanter musings, and he fell asleep at last with Becky's latest words lingering dreamily in his ear. Tom, how could you be so noble? Oh, Tom, how could you be so noble? Is that the end of the chapter? <coughs> no, I don't think. Oh, it is the end of the chapter. Yeah, okay. So next up, we got chapter 21. Should we push through or should we take a break? Take a break. All right, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Yep, we're back after three seconds. We are going to continue on with chapter 22, Tom Sawyer. 21! I mean, oh, sorry, yeah, 21. 21, you're correct. 20 and 21. Vacation was approaching. The schoolmaster, always always severe, grew severer than, than more exacting. And more exacting than ever. For he wanted the school to make a good showing on examination day. His rod and his ferule were seldom idle now. At least among the smaller pupils, only the biggest boys and young ladies of 18 and 20 escaped lashing. Mr. Dobbin's lashing were very vigorous ones, too, for although he carried under his wig a perfectly bald and shiny head, <laughs> his head is so bald and shiny that you, that when you look at it from behind, it's a mirror. <laughs> for when um, he carried... He had a wig. 
he had only reached middle age, and there was no sign of <clears throat> feebleness in his muscle. As the great day approached, all the ty- tyranny that was in him came to the surface, as he seemed to take a vindictive pleasure in punishing the least shortcomings. The consequence was that the smaller boys spent their days in terror with, and suffering and their nights in plotting revenge. They threw away no opportunity to do, to, to, to do the master a mischief, but he kept ahead all the time. The retribution that followed, every vengeful success, was so sweeping and majestic that the boys always retired from the field badly worsted. (laughs) At last they conspired together and hit upon a plan that promised a dazzling victory. They they swore and the sign painter's boy told him the scheme and asked his help. He had his own reasons for being delighted, for the master boarded in his father's family and had given the boy ample cause to hate him. The master's wife could go on a visit to the country in a few days, and there would be nothing to interfere with the plan. The master always prepared himself for great occasions by betting, by getting pretty well fuddled. Fuddled. What? Where? What word? Pretty well fuddled. And the sign painter's boy (coughs) (coughs) said that when the dominie had reached the proper condition on examination evening, he would manage the thing while he napped in his chair. Then he would have him awakened at the right time and hurried away to school. In the fullness of time, the interesting occasion arrived. At eight in the evening, the schoolhouse was brilliantly lighted and adorned with wreaths and wreaths and festoons and foliage and flowers. The master sat throned on his great chair up, upon a raised platform with his blackboard behind him. He was looking tolerably mellow. Three rows of benches on each side and six rows in front of him were occupied by the dignity by the dignitaries of the town and by the parents of the pupils. (coughs) To his left, back were two rows of the citizens, was a spacious temporary platform upon which were seated the scholar, upon which were seated, seated the scholars who were, who were to take part in the exercises of the evening. Rows of big, Rows of gawky big boys, snowbanks of girls and young ladies, clad in lawn and muslin, and conspicuously conscious of their bare arms, their grandmother's ancient trinkets, their bits of pink and blue ribbon and the flowers in their hall hair. All the rest of the house was filled with non-participating scholars. What do you think? Good, yeah. Yeah? <coughs> You're not getting sick too, are you? Don't get sick. Like, there's something in my throat. Oh. 
Didn't you get a drink while we had a break? No, I didn't. No, just keep going. Keep going. I need water. Alright. Water. And ready to keep going. Put that down, Riley, please. Stop. Ready. <coughs> so we have about five more minutes. Yes. The exercises began. A very little boy stood up and sheepishly recited, You'd scarce expect one of my age to speak in public on the stage, etc. Accompanying Accompanying himself with the painfully exact and spasmodic gestures which a machine might have used, supposing the machine to be a trifle out of order. But he got through safely, through cruelly scared, and got a fine round of applause when he made his manufactured bow and retired. A little shamefaced girl lisped, Mary had a little lamb, etc., Performed a compassion-inspiring curtsy, got her meat of applause, and sat down flushed and happy. Tom Sawyer stepped forward with conceited confidence and soared into the unquenchable and indestructible give me liberty or give me death speech. I think this is not going to go well. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. With fine fury and frantic gesticulation and broke down in the middle of it, a ghastly stage fright seized him. His legs quaked under him, and he was like to choke. True, he had the manifest sympathy of the house, but he had the house's silence, too, (laughs) which was even worse than its sympathy. The master frowned, and this completed the disaster. Tom struggled a while and then retired, utterly defeated. There was a weak attempt at applause, but it died early. Oh, that's harsh. The boys stood on the burning deck, followed. Okay, so here's a, a quiz. Who said uh, who said that speech, give me liberty or give me death? I don't know. That was Patrick Henry. He's a founding father. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah. That's pretty good. Dramatic choice. Patrick Henry. Henry, okay. Keep going. <coughs> Also, the Assyrian came down, another declamatory gems, and other declamatory gems. Then there were reading exercises and a spelling fight. The meager Latin class recited with honor. The prime feature of, of the evening was in order. Now, original compositions by the young ladies. Each in turn stepped forward to the edge of the platform, cleared her throat, held up her manuscript tied with dainty ribbon and proceeded to read with labored attention to expression with punctuation the theory the the okay the themes were the same it had been illumin 
and had been illuminated upon similar occasions by their mothers before them, their grandmothers, and doubtless all their ancestors in the female line clear back to the Crusades. Friendship was one. Memories of other days, religion and history, dreamland, the advantages of culture, forms of political government compared and contrasted, melancholy, filial love, heart longings, etc., etc. A prevalent prevalent feature in all these compositions was a nursed and petted melancholy. <clears throat> Another was a wasteful and op- opulent. opulent gush of fine language. <laughs> Another was <clears throat> Another was a tendency to lug in by the ears particularly pe- prized words and phrases until they were worn entirely out. And, uh, and a peculiarity that conspicuously marked and married them was the inveterate and intolerable sermon that wagged its crippled tail at the end of each and every one of them. What is happening right now is kind of... So uh, it's like their final recitation, like at the end of the school year. All of the parents are coming to listen to all of the school kids do, like, a final thing on stage. So, some of them read poetry, and, you know, so all the parents are watching. It's like a, it's like a recital. Yeah. No matter what the subject might be, a brain-wracking effort was made <coughs> to squirm it into into some aspect or other that the moral and religious mind could contemplate with edification the glaring the glaring insert insincerity insincerity of the sermons was not sufficient to compass the banishment of the fashion from the schools and is not and it is not sufficient today it never will be sufficient while the while the world stands, perhaps. I think that'll end our episode today. Okay, we'll make a note of where we ended. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Wiley, for reading. Yeah, you, you're yeah. getting a lot better. You you really are a good reader. You um, tackle those big words pretty easily. Yay! Yeah, you're doing good, Wiley. Yay! All right. Goodbye. Thank you.